Amen. Thank you again, worship team, for leading us to that place this morning. I don't know what to do with this one today, to be perfectly honest. Um, This is a hard one. This is a hard one. It's been a struggle for me. I've redone this a couple of times this week because I'm still not getting it, even myself. It's, if nothing else this morning, Jesus is everything. Jesus is everything. He's it, and he's the only thing that matters, and I don't know how else to say that, and we're going to walk through a bunch of things this morning, and none of this I have written down, but I just wanted to tell you that I don't get it either. I can say words, and I can say I understand it, and there's, you know, there's, there's head knowledge there, but I, I don't live it nearly the way I need to. But Jesus is everything. This morning, again, this is going to be tough. It's going to, it's going to be hard because on the surface, it's a subject that we, we struggle with quite a bit. And before we go anywhere this morning, I, I want to challenge you to listen, to hear what Jesus is saying. I'm going to say words, but listen to Scripture and listen to what Jesus says, to hear what God is trying to say to you today through His Word. Because this morning, we're going to talk again on the surface about our money. And that's something that so easily causes people to check out. Oh great, here we go again. The church is talking about money again. They're just trying to guilt us into tithing more or whatever comes into your head and your heart. I've had some spicy conversations with people over the years and this is uncomfortable for us because it's so much deeper than dollars and cents. It's, it's, it's our identity. And it's our, our security, our comfort, our ability to become like God. Having control over our own lives or, or the illusion of that at least. But what did Jesus talk about more than anything else in his whole ministry? The kingdom. He talked about the kingdom more than anything else in his whole ministry. But he also talked a lot about money. About how it affects us. How it consumes us. How it influences us. How it changes us. How it distracts us. It mattered a lot to him, And so it has to matter a lot to us. And if this idea is something that grates on you, that rubs your soul like sandpaper, God might just be trying to draw your attention to something. But this morning we're going to look at the parable of the rich fool in Luke chapter 12. It's one of the most fascinating parables in the Gospels because in our modern context, when we read it, it honestly just sounds like good advice. The negative picture that Jesus paints is exactly what we're trying to do. 
and believe is good. It's bonkers, it's, it's bizarre, and it should hammer us with the reality of just how different the kingdom is from what we're pursuing. But when we read this parable, we just kind of cough and move on because we don't really know what to do with this. Turn with me this morning again to Luke chapter 12, starting in verse 13, and we're going to read this story together in just a second, and we're going to pray hard. I'd ask you to pray hard for God to open your eyes and your heart to hear the profound truth he's trying to help us see today. Because as I say, it's something I'm not getting either. We find this story in the middle of a long stretch of Jesus' teachings in Luke, and Jesus here has been invited to eat with a Pharisee. And it doesn't go great. Jesus is invited into his home and then calls him out on some of his outward displays of holiness while inside this Pharisee rots with selfishness and wickedness. It would be a pretty awkward dinner party, I'd have to think. And the others gathered there begin to get upset and they get up together and Jesus starts to leave and the Pharisees and leaders are all yelling at him and it says that they began to oppose him fiercely and besiege him with questions waiting to catch him in something he might say. And Jesus is amazing how he navigates these things and how his focus is so completely on his father. He is living in such a way that is so different from us. But it's how we're supposed to live. Jesus is God, but he is fully human and his life is an example of a human life. How he lives is how we're supposed to be living. He's showing us what we're supposed to be doing. He never gets distracted. Even when people are yelling in his face, his mission, his purpose is crystal clear and he keeps moving forward. And all this time, it said that there is a crowd of thousands all around him while he was having this meal, this dinner. And he comes outside and the crowd is there and it says they are pressing in all around them, and they're even trampling each other. That's how intense this crowd is. And how do you do anything here? But Jesus somehow keeps moving forward and, and keeps teaching them, and, and he comes to this story. Luke chapter 12, verse 13. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? Then he said to them, Watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And he told them this parable. 
The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and then I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, you fool. This very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you've prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich toward God. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. For life is more than food and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. How much more valuable you are than birds. Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to your life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Consider how the wild flowers grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you? You of little faith. Do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it. For the pagan world runs after such things, and your Father knows that you need them. But seek His kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your Father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions, give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out a treasure in heaven that will never fail where no thief comes and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Amen. There is a lot there. So as I say, we're going to explore this together this week, but... Take some time this week. Come back to this passage even a few times. Pray through it. Let God speak through his word to you because this is bedrock to understanding God. Who he is. What he is doing. And who we are. But the story starts in the most ridiculous place. Someone in the crowd. A crowd, again, that we're told at the beginning of this chapter is thousands strong. And they're trampling each other. It's pandemonium. Picture the noise. The the smell. The chaos. And this guy somehow gets close enough and yells out in the middle of all of that, Hey, Jesus, 
My brother won't share with me. What? What are you doing? But keep in mind, again, the crowd, the noise, and all of the things that people would have been yelling. This guy wasn't yelling by himself. How many people were yelling in that moment? Questions, concerns, things that they needed Jesus to know, wanting help, wanting answers, wanting attention. But Jesus never loses focus. And in the midst of all that insanity, this is what he knows he is called to address. With laser focus, he sees through all of this mess, all of this noise, and something we would probably even think is the most ridiculous thing that anyone asked in that whole crowd. This is what his father tells him to address. And he hears and he obeys. So he engages, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. And Jesus replies, man, who appointed me judge or an arbiter between you? And then he said to them, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. Yes. Of course, sure, absolutely, totally agree. I'm all good. I've got what I need. Jesus, I'm with you. Just a little more and then I'll be good. But I totally agree, Jesus. We are on the same page. Life is more important than stuff. But don't take my stuff, please. This is my stuff and I need it. But I'm with you, Jesus. As long as I get to keep this stuff, which I don't need. But I'm just going to hold on to it. Just going to close a lock around it over here. Good. All good. With you all the way, Jesus. Just going to check on it quick. right? Make sure it's still there, though. But I don't need it. We can't even begin to unravel the depth of contradiction within ourselves. It's too deep. How do we separate ourselves from our stuff? From our money, from our resources? How do we begin to understand what Jesus is trying to help us to see here. Because it only gets worse. He told them this parable, the ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, be merry. Go on a cruise. Relax. 
But God said to him, you fool. This very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich toward God. This man did exactly what we think we're supposed to be doing. He did the right thing. He worked hard. He was responsible. He saved. He planned. He prepared. And he retired well. That's that's the plan. That's the goal. How is that wrong? This, This parable is perhaps one of the most dangerous and disturbing teachings that Jesus ever gave because it so clearly calls out just how far we've fallen. Even the things we think are good and noble are wrong. The things that are worthy of our attention and effort are wrong. We are so lost, so fallen that we can't even understand what is good. God is everything. He is the only thing that matters. Everything we're doing here is only to be a reflection of him. Everything outside of that is a waste. The man in the parable was selfish. But his goal is is exactly what we push for too. We might throw some token God stuff in there hoping I'll be generous with a little bit of this. But it's for us. It's for us. We're working for ourselves. My plans. My future. Not for God. And it's so subtle and so dangerous and we just don't see it. But the truth is so different from that. The life that God desires for us is so different that it sounds crazy to us. It sounds like it doesn't make sense. Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, Or about your body, what you will wear. Already I can't do that. Life is more than food and the body more than clothes. How? Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. Good for them. How much more valuable are you than birds? Who of you by worry and can add a single hour to your life? I'm going to try. 
Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Consider how the wildflowers grow. They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. That is how God clothes the grasses of a field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire. How much more will he clothe you? O you of little faith. Do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it. How? For the pagan world runs after all these things, and your father knows that you need them. But seek his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions, give to the poor, provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out, a treasure in heaven that will never fail, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. That sounds amazing. But even as we read through it, we're already qualifying it in our heads. Yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but. But Jesus isn't making a suggestion. He's telling you, telling us, telling me the truth. Don't worry. God is with you and he'll take care of you. Trust him. Yeah, but how? What does that even mean? How do we even begin to do that, to live this? Because it's all well and good to talk about birds and flowers, but they don't have a mortgage. And prescriptions. And my kids need clothes for school and I can't just eat grass. What am I supposed to do with this? And the answer is the same thing we explored last week. Jesus is trying to help us see that even in extreme examples like this, what we're doing doesn't matter. It's who we're doing it for. What we have doesn't matter. It's who we understand it belongs to. In all of those questions, all of those fears that I expressed, none of it was focused on God. On His plan. His mission. Relationship with Him. Seeing the world, the people around me, my own life and my stuff with his eyes. The problem isn't generosity or tithing or doing enough for God. It's a failure of purpose and focus in the first place. It's failing to recognize that everything is his. Everything we have, everything we are, everything we do, every breath, every ounce of strength, every dollar is his. 
to do with as he pleases. It's not how much do I give to God, it's how much do I keep. And even that isn't it. Because it's still separating things in our minds. The kingdom is everything. God is everything. He is it. There's nothing else for us to be pursuing. And everything in our lives is given value and purpose and meaning only by him. He has given me all of this. And some of it, he means for me to live. To support and raise my family. But all of it is ultimately from him and for him. And meant to bring him glory and build his kingdom, not mine. Because my kingdom doesn't even exist. It's a fantasy. It's only him. If you make $50,000 a year in Canada today, you are in the top 15% of the wealthiest people on planet earth. If you make $50,000 a year as a household, you are in the top 15% on planet earth right now. When Jesus is speaking to the rich and saying it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God, we need to be paying very close attention. It's not meant to bring shame, but it should strike fear in our hearts. How do you view your life? And the things that God has given you, the resources that he has allowed you to have, are they yours? Or some of it, or most of it? Or is it his? Because it's not how much, it's whose it is. The YWAM base in Tijuana that we have visited so many times and through which God has done amazing things in that community and in our lives as well was founded when a businessman sold off a portion of his business and tithed a million dollars to them to purchase the land and begin the facility down there. It's not how much, it's whose it is. Some people can't sneeze without making a million dollars. Abraham, David, Solomon, leaders and patriarchs in God's kingdom were extremely wealthy and God blessed them and used them in incredible ways. Having is not the issue. It's whose it is. Do you see your life with kingdom eyes? And when Jesus says, sell everything and give it to the poor, Does that even register? 
How do we deal with this parable? Knowing the answer is easier than living it, but the answer is fully, completely, deeply recognizing that every single resource we have is God's. And he will do with it what he will. He said he'd provide for our needs. It's a lot less than our wants. He will use it for his purpose. His kingdom. His mission. And we need to be holding it so lightly. Hands completely open. Ready to use those resources, that money, our time, our skills, our energy, whatever it is, however he asks, whenever he asks, to give to and care for whomever he puts in front of us. And as we talked about last week, there are always opportunities in front of us. We don't have to wait for a fleece or a burning bush to know that God is calling you to serve, to be generous, to care, to help, to give. Jesus is calling us to an entirely new way of understanding the world and our own lives, who God is and how we can trust him. What life with him is supposed to look like. Jesus gave us the example. He lived the example for us. And he's inviting you to follow him with that radical faith, that radical trust. Complete abandon. Do you want that? I'm going to read this last portion one more time. And I want you to really think about each one of these things. And as your brain starts to qualify them, pray about that. Ask God to help you understand that he is enough. In all the practical ways that don't make sense to us. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat. Or about your body, what you will wear. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap, they have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. How much more valuable you are than birds. Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to your life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Consider how the wildflowers grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you, O oh, you of little faith? Do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it. 
For the pagan world runs after such things, and your Father knows that you need them. But seek His kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. Do not be afraid, little flock. For your Father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions. Give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out. A treasure in heaven that will never fail. Where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Is Jesus your treasure? Let's pray. Father God, we again say thank you. Thank you that you are enough. Thank you that you are merciful and gracious, that you love us. And Father, we beg your forgiveness. I beg your forgiveness all the places in my life that I can't trust you like Jesus is telling me to. All the practical things I immediately jump to that don't seem to make sense. God, you are so much bigger. And even if you took everything I have, you would be enough. You are all we need. And we struggle to trust you in that so much. But Father, thank you that you are gracious. That you are patient. And I pray this morning as we read through this passage and this week as we return to it and meditate on it, God, I pray that you would help us to understand that just a little bit more. You are everything. You are the only thing. We ask you to help us see that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.